Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. And if you think our host is bad now, you ought to hear him singing Garth Brooks on karaoke night. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking podcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you at home. At home on, uh, hey, it's actually Tuesday, and I'm recording this. Uh, Just a reminder, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. And on tonight's show, I'm going to uh, retouch on pipe cleaners, the proper use of them, the proper uh, types of cleaners, and so on and so on. My guest is uh, German pipe maker Dirk Heinemann, and I had a lot of fun talking to, talking to Dirk. And then we'll have a music mailbag and a rave, all that coming up on this week's Pipes Magazine radio show. And as I mentioned uh, last week... Uh, yeah, I'm traveling again this week. I'm uh, leaving for Vegas on Friday for the uh, IPCPR, which is about to change their name, even though they haven't announced it yet. <laughs> it's all over the internet. Uh, they're going to change their name to the Premium Cigar Association, so I'll see how I feel about that. Uh, but I will be in Vegas. I'll be recording some stuff for the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, checking out and visiting with some friends and spending uh, three full days on the trade show floor. Not sure if I'll have much time to really get around Vegas itself, but hey, I've only been to Vegas, I don't know, several times. Uh, anyway, and then I'm flying back on Tuesday, so I'll pre-record the, we'll pre-record the show for Tuesday of next week. Uh, so you'll have to deal with that again. And then I'm, I'm home the entire month of July. Well, most of the entire month I'm back home and, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the travel business, while you guys are all on vacation and stuff, it's not the time for us in the travel business to be out traveling. So I'll be home, uh, enjoying the heat of the summer, enjoying just, you know, not having to go anywhere and being able to smoke inside or on our uh, on our little screened in porch with my ceiling fan going so uh looking forward to that you know looking forward to not having to worry about smoking restrictions for much and then i got a few trips planned in august uh and then pipe show season starts so i hope to see a lot of you there all right let's get the show rolling everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. All right, let's talk about pipe cleaners. And I'm pretty sure we've covered some of this, but the the question seems to come up again and again, especially because I'm a uh, passionate user of pipe cleaners. Yeah, I do. I use uh, two per bowl, one during the bowl and one afterwards to clean. Uh, Now, to start off with, there's 
there's like four different types of pipe cleaners in my book. All right. There's regulars, there's fluffies, there are bristle and there are tapered. Uh, in my opinion, which I'm the leading expert on, uh, the only time you need a bristle cleaner is when you're doing a heavy cleaning on a pipe. That's it. You don't, that's the only time you need a bristle cleaner is when you're doing a, when you're doing some heavy cleaning to a pipe that's been used a lot and, uh, and may not have gotten the best care. So for example, with me, when I travel and I take two or three pipes and I smoke them pretty heavily during a week or so, I'll come back home and part of my unpacking routine is to hit those pipes with a bristle cleaner once or twice up and down the shank. And that helps get, you know, the buildup of whatever was there. Uh, fluffies you know i i've never found a use for them except maybe if you're doing a maybe if you're doing a heavy cleaning and you just want extra pressure in there uh or if you've got an extra wide you know if you've got a really open pipe you might need a fluffy because you want it to you want it to be able to get the stuff off the walls all right most pipes in my opinion most pipes you just need a regular pipe cleaner uh tapered the only time I really like a tapered cleaner is if I'm trying to clean the stem uh, because you can run that tapered cleaner all the way through. You start off narrow side first going up the button into the stem and with most pipes the way the stem the uh, slot in the opening of the stem is wider well that tapered helps get all that stuff out all right so that's the that's the time when you need a taper. A uh, couple of requirements that I have for pipe cleaners, and this was where the discussion began, was while I'm smoking the pipe, and even when I'm doing my cleaning afterwards, I use both ends of the, of the cleaner. So I want the cleaners to be about a half inch to an inch longer than the pipe. Most of my pipes that I smoke on a regular basis are between five to six inches. So the pipe cleaners that I buy are the six and a half inch regulars. Uh, the pipe cleaners that I helped design with, uh, with Brigham and with McBaron, they're all six and a half inches. They're all the standard regular diameter of pipe cleaner. And I need that extra half inch at the end because I want my pipe cleaner to get all the way into the bowl and I still want to be able to hold on to it. Uh, by doing that, and I am cheap, by doing that, I get to use both ends of the pipe cleaner during the smoke and both ends of it while I'm doing my end of uh, my after bowl cleaning. Uh, church warden cleaners, obviously, you know, if your pipe is longer, well, then you need a longer, you need a longer pipe cleaner. Uh, and that, that problem has come up a couple times for me where I've run out of church warden pipe cleaners for the two very long stem pipes that I have. And then you're stuck doing weird things with a pipe cleaner. Um, I will say that you, you should really only use cotton. All right. Uh, there are some pipe cleaners on the market that are polyester or rayon or something like that. And to me, those are just fuzzy sticks or decorative crafts. They really don't do much of a job of absorbing the moisture or grabbing the buildup that's on the, that's in the draft hole. They don't do much at all for that. So make sure that your pipe cleaners are, you know, a natural fiber base. Uh, there are some really nice pipe cleaners that I've seen that come out of, uh, that come out of Europe that are super absorbent. 
and you know they're just really expensive for me i'm fine with the you know with the bag of 75 or the bag of 50 or the bag of 100 and you know use a couple if i need to instead of buying a pipe cleaner that might cost me 10 15 cents each i'm buying ones that cost you know two or three cents each a couple of spots that i want you to pay attention to with your pipe cleaner uh inside the slot as i said right inside the slot of the uh, of the stem you want to make sure and wiggle the pipe cleaner back and forth in there so that you get all the stuff off the edges on the inside of it all right make sure not just to go straight in but you know once you get in there slide it left and right to get all around in that hole because you do get a buildup of moisture in there and then the other spot is once the pipes cooled down you know what pull the stem off maybe every couple three bowls or so pull the stem off wipe down inside the mortise hole i'll bend the pipe cleaner in half and just twist it in there so that it gets a little wider maybe that would be a good time when you're doing your uh when you're doing your real heavy cleanings to have some fluffies because then you can bend them in there and they really you know they, they cover a lot of space but you want to clean that mortise hole especially the spot facing the draft hole uh, and then you want to clean the back of the of the button of, of the uh, the back of the tenon. Uh, you just want to make sure and get whatever buildup and gunk is in there. And then if you're like me, when you use pipe cleaners a lot, well, you'll notice that you get a little bit of uh, cotton buildup in that area too, and that can start to restrict the flow and it can start to block the flow. So you know, just make sure that you clean that out after you're done with your pipe. Just blow through it, and you'll see little stuff come out. So there you go. Uh, pipe cleaners, again, the ones that I use, regular six and a half inches, perfectly fine every day. And then, again, the, uh, yeah, the bristle cleaners are just for specialty use for me, and the tapers are specialty use for me, and even the fluffies are just kind of specialty use. Uh, if you have a favorite brand of pipe cleaner, please let me know. Uh, post it on the uh, comments and tell us why you like it. All right, in just a minute, Dirk Heinemann. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like, and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and we're going to Germany for a pipe maker, a uh, a, a younger pipe maker, not one of the not one of the old time guys, but a younger one who's been around for a while. Dirk Heinemann, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello, uh, thanks for having me. Did I did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, it was good. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you are in you're born and raised in in Germany. Yes, yes, a small town near Hanover, 
on a farm. Um, my parents still live on the farm and I have my workshop on the farm, but I live in the city now. So you've so you've moved into the uh, into the big city away from the small town farm, but still yeah, you well, have to go back to the farm to work on pipes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't call Hanover a big city, but <laughs> yeah, a city. <laughs> yeah. Um, what region is Hanover in, in? That's kind of the northwest. Yeah, north middle. I would say um, it's a little bit south from Hamburg. Yeah. Um, yeah, like. Two hours by car to Hamburg. So, what area of Germany do they call that? Um, let's still call it North Germany. Okay. And the and the food is a little different than the other parts of Germany, and and the drinks are a little different. Um, yeah, a little bit different. We're still a small country, so the uh, differences are not that big. But yeah, we have, um, I guess, more like stews and and, and food for cold rainy weather. Not so much food for you know, hot summer days. Well, I know, like in in Frankfurt, you can get pretzels, but pretzels are not uh, not readily available in Hamburg. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. you can get them here and there, but um, they're not really common in this area. That's true. Yeah, so that's why I have to go to Frankfurt for pretzels. Exactly. Uh, so, when you were growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um. I always like to work with my hands. So growing up on a farm, we always worked there, um, like um, helping in the summer to get in the hay and everything, bring in the hay. So, and um, I just remember my father always made us wooden toys. You just imagine something and told him how it should look like and he would build it for <laughs> us. So maybe that made me want to become a woodworker. And so after my middle school, I started an uh, apprenticeship as an um, joiner or cabinet maker yeah. and I guess that was uh, the beginning of my love for woodworking. So did you work in did you work in cabinetry and in woodworking f right out of school? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I worked there um, for well the apprenticeship took three years and then I worked for two years. Um, there and then I went to the army. Um, back then we still had the army duty time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this was, this was when I stopped um, working in that company. Now, how long ago were you in the army? Um, it was almost a year. It was like 10 months, I think, 10, 11 months. Okay. I can't remember exactly. And, what, and how many years ago was that? Uh, this was in 2001. Yeah, it was... Uh, the time when 9-11 happened, which yeah. was, um, yeah, interesting time, you can say, when suddenly everybody becomes aware and the, the, um, the checks for the cars at the entrance were more strict. Yeah. You can't just leave and go back in. Everybody wouldn't check with the mirror, the, the bottom of the car, um, to see if there's something hidden. Yeah, <laughs> the world changed in one day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when did you begin... Uh, begin smoking a pipe? Um, it was during my uh, time on the design school. I studied um, product design or industrial design. And um, I think I always had an interest in in pipes because I think I like, like rituals, like preparing a nice cup of tea or coffee or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I never smoked cigarettes, but I thought a pipe where you have to pack the bowl, you have to light it carefully and have to concentrate and relax. It was 
kind of appealing to me. Um, so I, I thought I have my wood job, I have um, a lathe and a bandsaw and everything, why not just buy a block of briar and start um, you know, drilling two holes in it, um, buying a piece of stem material, or a, I think it was a pre-made mouthpiece at the time. And so I first made my first pipe and then I started um, uh, smoking a pipe. I think it was in 2006 or 2007, around that time. Now, growing up, did you have any relatives that smoked a pipe? Did, did your father smoke a pipe? Um, yes, my father smoked a pipe in the 70s and 80s, I think, um, when like everybody smoked a pipe or every, every mayor <laughs> um, member of my family. Um, my uncle smoked pipe until a few years ago, um, but I don't think they had so much influence in that because when I was thinking about smoking a pipe, I never had that in mind, maybe because they always smoked those heavy aromatic uh, tobaccos. And um, I grew up with reading a lot of the Rings books and, and uh, yeah. watching the movies, and maybe that was more the impact I, I or the, the picture I had in my head when I saw myself um, smoking a pipe. Now, in, in Germany, the most pipe smokers smoke aromatics and the and the very the very fruity very fresh aromatics mm -hmm. and yeah, then they and, and then they also use a lot of filter pipes and that's just from tradition of the heavy aromatics i guess so um i heard that the heavy aromatics are um more difficult to smoke or they, they tend to produce more tongue bite um and maybe the filter helps you to um, reduce that but I mean, instead of that, you can just can try to smoke more slowlier and, and cooler, but you also can use a filter. <laughs> but um, yeah, I never tried a filter pipe um, at all. I started with non-filter pipes and sometimes on request I make them, but usually I prefer to make um, pipes without filter. It's just more freedom in the, um, in the design process, in the shaping. Yeah, you don't have to make that nine millimeter hole in the middle, so exactly. you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if you wanted like a full band, it's almost impossible with a with a nine millimeter filter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now you have to curve the stem and the shank, and have to put a straight spot in there for that big filter to go exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah, always looks off a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you study with any pipe makers once you once you got going? Um, no, unfortunately not. Um, I started um, just, I think the first two or three years I made maybe 10, 15 pipes altogether just for me and then my uncle wanted to have a pipe and it was more like a hobby I would do every now and then. Um, but I think it was 2011 when I um, finished my study time, I was without a job, I was I just have a part-time job and try to figure out what to do. Um, so. At that time, I started my own furniture design um, company and thought, why not try it with pipe making as well? And at that time, a German Pipe Makers Forum started. And this was kind of an interesting time because it was Stefan Müller, uh, Roger Wallenstein, and Daniel Mustran, um, many people from Europe, but mostly German speakers, um, were starting developing this forum and this energy of, you know, we should do something new and teach each other. And I think this forum was the most impact for me as a starter to get the basics and get to know what to do and how to do. 
And then we will meet each other with pipe makers who live close enough to each other. And we just hanging around in the workshop and start making pipes and, and see how it works and, and how it doesn't work. So you did get to work with, you, you worked alongside some other pipe makers that were able to look at your pipes or you would look at their pipes and say, maybe do this or try that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a bit more collaborative. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Do not try to go anywhere near a bar or a pub when Roger Wallenstein is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I've done that mistake before. <laughs> I've tried. It does not work well. It, it works. Nope. It, it can happen for a little bit, and then after that, no. Yeah, yeah, the hangover <laughs> was horrible. I still remember that morning. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that from you as a as a German to, to say that the hangover was horrible because I I thought maybe it was just my weak American liver that could not keep up. No, no. I think there are not many people who can keep up with Roger. <laughs> yeah. So let's go. Let's talk about the the furniture design because that was. So you are are you still doing that as well? Yes. Yes. Um, it was for quite a while more side project because pipe making kept me kept me so busy um, over the last year I um, I got somehow in where well, I met a guy who owned a bar here in Hanover and he asked me if I can do some redesign of the bar and, and some furniture and he knows another bar owner and that guy knew a restaurant owner and they're all <laughs> searching for someone who can design and make furniture and this is how I got my, got my foot in the door and that's getting bigger and bigger and let's see how that leads. Um, so it's interesting to do something with wood but on a totally different way than making pipes. What kind of furniture for a bar? Chairs and tables and yeah. stools or? Yeah, something like that. Uh, some furniture for the um, outside, um, for the patio. Yeah. Um, so um, what I learned that you have to design a, a chair for a bar completely differently than you would for a home because people don't treat furniture nice in a bar. So <laughs> yeah. that's what's the to learn. You, you want to make it very, very strong so that yeah. it, when it falls over, it's fine and maybe the person is okay too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I learned. <laughs> We will take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more pipe making. And uh, and uh, now I'm <laughs> now I'm thirsty for a good German pilsner. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I go that here. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over twenty years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. 
here back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, German pipe maker Dirk Heinemann. And I, you know, I, when I go to Germany, the beer tastes so good. And I'll, I'll just ask for whatever the local Pilsner is. And it's just so light and refreshing and tastes good. And it, mu it must be tough for you to travel, especially over here where the beer is completely different. Well, actually, I always say that when people are telling me that the uh, German beer must be so good because it is on a certain level, like the normal Pilsner beer from the factories, but the whole craft beer scene in the US um, totally changed the game. I think you can get better beer in the US now than you can get in Germany in a supermarket. Um, uh -oh. Because like, the standard beer is it's not bad, but it's nothing really exciting. It tastes mostly the same, in my opinion, no matter which city you go. But if you go to the to the like a, a liquor store in the, in the US and you get some IPA or a stout or like, some little brewery from around the corner, um, there's so much um, variety to, to choose from. And we don't have that here yet. We're a little bit behind that whole craft beer thing. It's getting here, but slowly, um, maybe because of the Reinheitsgebot, um, which you know, um, makes it slower to, to get those new kinds of beer here. Is, is that uh, sort of like how the, the German, the, I guess the German industry would protect their own industry by... Yeah, yeah. there's a Reinheitsgebot. Um, um, it's a, a law, very old law, I think, from medieval times which um, says what is allowed to be in a beer and what not. And I think it's just like three or four in ingredients. So um, with all those new craft beers where people are trying to, I don't know, mix some coffee in the beer or, or whatever, um, it wouldn't be allowed um, or wouldn't be um, labeled with this, um, with this law. Um, so I guess this was a problem to get the craft beer scene here started. But it's getting there now and um, people are starting uh, microbreweries and, and, and um, the variety is growing but we're still behind so always when I'm in Chicago we're going to, to a liquor store and I'm just uh, stunned of the uh, endless <laughs> shelves of, of different kinds of beer and everything looks so nice and, 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 and hip <laughs> and, and delicious and it's hard to tell the difference between them because except for the labels because some of them don't say what they are yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just some weird name, which might be an, an, a pun or something, and you don't get it. But, well, you can try it. It's not so expensive. That's good. <laughs> when you are uh, when you're making pipes, do you prefer to do the uh, the shaping first and then drill the bowl, or do you drill first and then shape later? Um, I always uh, shape first and drill later. And that so that's much more of the the Danish or European style. I, I guess so. Yeah, it's not like the old English traditional way. Um, I like it because, um, well, as a design student or as a designer, it gives me more freedom in the shaping process or the designing process, and also um, to to read the briar. Um, because, like um, most freehand pipe makers would say, the briar dictates. Um, the shape, not the other way around. Are there shapes that you prefer to do? Um, yeah, there are a few shapes I, I make on a regular basis, but I think the shape I like the most would probably be the blowfish because um, 
it's so inter interesting and always a new travel of how to um, put a line here and try to separate the bird's eye from a straight grain and how to bend the shank a little bit or uh, don't bend it or uh, do a little bit of uh, fin here or how to how to um, make some details um, and stuff so it's always a challenge and, and interesting and you never know um, how it ends and with your with your woodworking do you like working with different wood for the shank and different adornments yeah yeah i like that um I try to just collect different kinds of wood I can find everywhere. I don't really order um, wood from from some um, you know, wood turning supplies. I, um, for example, one afternoon my my father was uh, cutting down some some trees and bushes in the garden, and he found this lilac wood and he saw the grain is quite nice, so he asked me if I want to keep it. So I. I cut off a few pieces and let them dry for a few years, and um, I was surprised how pretty this this wood from the garden was. So, um, so I don't need to buy any uh, boxwood or um, whatever. So I just can find it anywhere. Go take a walk in the woods and see what you find, and hold exactly. on to it for a couple of years, and then you have it. Exactly. So I'm looking at your website, and the website is Heinemann pipes h-e-i-n-e-m-a-n-n pipes.com right and there's a pipe on here that in particular brought up the question of the wood because uh you i guess you call it a volcano sandblast and it's got this lovely black striped wood shank extension on it and I, it it's just it's stunning how the black stripes work with the black bowl and then the black stem. Um, I don't exactly know which one it is. Um, oh, yeah. It was this like volcano sand? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, there was the inlay I, I, I did with different layers of veneer and mixed with it. I think it was um, mahogany. Yeah, well, the black and the and the way it works is beautiful, and I can see where the designer in you came out and said, "I'm going to, I'm going to try something." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw that in a wood turning magazine how to make those uh, inlays, and I thought, well, why not try it for um, a shank adornment? So, um, and I was surprised that it worked out uh, so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, do you like? Do you prefer? sandblasting over making smooth pipes um as a maker i don't really have preference um both looks nice and both is interesting to make um although contrast sanding on a like a blowfish with so many edges is quite challenging but um as a maker i don't make a difference um as a smoker i prefer sandblasted pipes because they're just more um you don't have to be so carefully with them if you carry them around. Yeah, me too. And you have a couple signature shapes. I one of them is the Dora, and I'm wondering yes. where the name came from. Well, um, this was in near Barcelona. I visited the pipe maker Joan Canto. It's a Spanish pipe maker, and um, we were sitting in his living room and had a few whiskeys. And I just made the first or second Dora. And 
we were thinking about the name and, and she said, it looks a little bit like that fish from Finding Nemo. And so we thought, <laughs> and maybe we cause the whiskey or we just didn't remember. We thought the fish's name was Dora, not Dory, which is the true name. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the shape name Dora uh, was born. Uh, then I then I think the next time I have a chance, I have to have one because my Mini Cooper is blue and I named her Little Blue because that's what Dory is called in the first movie. Right. So, <laughs> so, that's a good idea, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should make that happen. So maybe she needs a Dora pipe, which is just uh, Spanish-German for Dory. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good translation. Yeah. And then you have the architect, too, which is just a completely striking and different style of pipe from your from some of your other shapes. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, there was one afternoon in the library. I was searching for new shape ideas, and I was watching or just, just going through some books about architecture and sculptures. And this was a book from Zaha Hadid, the... Um, I think she's from Israel, or I think from Israel, um, a designer, um, an architect. And it was just a little detail on a, on a house, and I just draw a sketch and thought maybe that could be somehow a pipe. And so a few days later, I would just get my sketchbook with all the sketches I made that afternoon and um, try to make this become a pipe. And that's how I ended with this architect pipe. But the name was from a customer and friend of mine, um, who said, well, the, the, um, the idea was from an architect book, so why not call it architect? Yeah, and it's got a, I mean, it's a very striking, it's almost got a, I'm going to try to describe it for those that, that should go look at it. It's got a almost smooth, almost flat, even level top to it that angles a little forward, and then the bottom of the bowl comes back, and it looks like a... Uh, it's really hard to describe how it looks, but it, it's just a different shape and a different style. And I would, yeah, maybe you could describe it uh, if you have a, a volcano pipe and just turn it upside down, and then you drill the chamber in the bottom of the volcano bowl. Um, this is maybe what could be described. It. That's yeah. That's that's the perfect way. <laughs> leave it. Leave it up to the man who makes the pipe to describe <laughs> it correctly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't let the guy looking at it just go oh well forward slanted yeah nice but then i guess with with that shape you can also find the different straight grain panels to it and maybe some bird's eye panels and line them up differently so that you get different finishes exactly yeah with uh, three different or four different um yeah panels you can say or, or surfaces and that's really interesting um, to play with those so you can as you say um, you can place the um, straight grain in the front or on the top, or you can keep some parts smooth and some glass the other ones, or you can funnel the whole um, rim of the bowl more inside and, and makes it look completely different. So it's really interesting to, to play with those elements. It's kind of like the blowfish where you can put the grain right. wherever you want and hope it works out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably also a lazy way of pipe making because you just can do whatever you want. And, um. <laughs> and, and with those sharp lines, it makes it easier to mask off and sandblast one area versus a curved yes. pipe, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's really a good idea, a good, good way to do a partial sandblast. Um, of course, the separation is already there. You just have to tape some parts and other not. 
Yep. And then in the past, we've talked to uh, Hector Weeb, who you're making yes. the Tubon with, and <laughs> obviously we can see your work there. And we've we've already talked to him about that. How you two were playing, <laughs> you were playing with his radiator, and said, "Wait, we can yes. do this and that." And <laughs> so, so was that the designer looking at something and saying, "Well, maybe I'll try to redesign it." Yeah, exactly. This was probably um, the classical design process I've learned in design school, like um, you start with one shape or one idea and then you draw just variations of this one shape and try to either add some things or um, reduce things. And this was, I think the goal was to just take as much of the pipe as possible and still make it, you know, smokable or add a pipe. And well, that's how it ends with just a little bent tube and, and make sure that the tobacco and the ash does not fall out of the pipe. Yeah, yeah. But this is a concern I hear a lot. But actually, the, the tobacco doesn't fall out. The ash sometimes a little bit, but you, you can ash it off as a cigar. But the, the, the tobacco won't fall, fall off. And when you go to when you come over to the U.S. and go to the Chicago Pipe Show, do you enjoy walking around and seeing what the other pipe makers are doing? Yes, absolutely. If I have the time, um, which is always a problem being in Chicago, but uh, yes, I, I really love that to to see um, other people's work, um, how they have uh, evolved and changed their style, maybe or got something new, and um, just chat about um, some stuff we have talked before. And um, just see how they, you know, um, deal with some problems everybody, every pipe maker has. So that's really interesting. You can learn a lot just to being on a pipe show. How many pipes in a year do you think you will make? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think about maybe 100, around 100, 120 maybe. And, and I guess that depends on how many, uh, how many bars and restaurants need furniture. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's a big influence, yeah. yeah. Uh, you also have a whole, you have a list of some very good retailers that your pipes are available from. So you can go to smokingpipes.com, Al Pasha in Italy, uh, Per Bilhall in, uh, in Sweden, and Blue Room Briars, and Fife and Shop Online. So you, so you, you kind of, you know, yeah, you're, you sell direct, but you also have a good list of retailers that you supply. Yes, absolutely. I mean, people always can um, send me a message if they want to have a commission or they see a pipe um, I'm making. I try to, um, you know, post the process or the progress on pipe making on Instagram. And sometimes people would just send me a message and ask me if they can um, see the finished picture and they would buy it then. But um, but best way we'll probably go to the to the retailer site and uh, see what's available there. Yeah, and then that frees you up from having to do a whole bunch of packing and shipping, and you can just make pipes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a big benefit of having a retailer. You just make the pipe and, and ship them to them, and <laughs> they will deal with the rest. What other pipe shows besides Chicago will you go to? Um, I will be in Chengde in uh, October, the Chinese pipe show, and I will be in Wart. This is a German pipe show, which the um, the uh, girlfriend from Rainer Barbie um, 
organizers. It's uh, in his hometown. So that is kind of an um, interesting place for pipe making history. And that one's easy for you to get to. Exactly. It's just uh, maybe one hour by car. It's really close. Do you get to drive on the Autobahn? Uh, yes. <laughs> ah. I can get enjoy the full speed. Get there as fast as possible. Yeah, until the next uh, construction site starts and then you have to slow down. <laughs> the construction site or the next city. <laughs> the next city, yes. Dirk, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Um, the thing is, my whole pipe collection is um, from other pipe makers I know and I traded uh, pipes with, so they're not just bought pipes, so I love all of them because I have a deep connection and, 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 and memory with the pipe. But I would say the pipe I smoke the most is a little bulldog from Axel Glasner, a little black sunblasted bulldog. And I smoked it so often, so the, the um, grain and then the color already comes off on the side because I grabbed it off. So this is probably my <laughs> favorite smoking pipe. It's a small, small uh, chamber, so I don't have to smoke for such a long time, which I prefer. Um, yeah, I just love it. That's the, the smaller the pipe, the easier it is to work with in your mouth. Exactly. Uh, what is your favorite tobacco? Um, I would say the common words from Samuel Gavis. It's a English blend with Latakia and uh, Virginia, I think. And it's not really complicated, but it's a good all-day smoke. You just can you know, pack your bowl with and don't have to think so much about but still has enough um, flavor and, and, and yeah, impact to, to you know, taste something. That's not very German. <laughs> it's not? And yeah, it's not, not aromatic. It's true. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Um... Lagavulin 16 neat. That's definitely not very German. Um, well, I think the part, my, most pipe makers um, like drinking Scotch whiskey and Isla, the smoky ones, I know, but probably not the 9mm filter smokers, more the um, English, English uh, tobacco smokers. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, I think... Just relaxing, I would say movies because you know, I just like movies. But with a pipe, I would probably say a book. Like at winter time, I would sit uh, at the fireplace uh, with a, like a woolen and a pipe and a book and just enjoy the the fire and the coziness. We now, uh, us Americans, now have this Bavarian Christmas picture in our head with the big fireplace yes. <laughs> and the trees outside covered in snow and people skiing by and no but that <laughs> yeah almost just because we are in north german so you just can uh, um, take away the snow and just add some rain but <laughs> still makes it cozy inside when it's um, raining outside and finally do you have a pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about um i'm not a specific specific one i think i just like the whole um pipe community um a lot like wherever you travel you can find people who you either know from the internet or you just can meet them and uh, meet for a pipe and just together and um, it's like having friends all over the world 
but I remember last year Chicago um, we were sitting on the, the parking lot in front of the hotel where we're staying just like 10 or 15 people just smoking pipes having drinks and um, enjoying the warm spring evening this was really um, yeah, nice memory Thank you very much for coming on again. It's HeinemannPipes.com. I'm uh, I'm going to keep my eye out for Adora now, and uh, hopefully next year when I see you in Chicago, I'll walk up to you and be smoking my my uh, my German my German Spanish Dory pipe. Yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. And don't forget, check out all of Dirk's pipes and uh, help him out. All right. Uh, for music, got another suggestion. And this one's, this is a cool song. And I'm uh, for some reason, it sounds familiar. But uh, sadly, I'm not sure if we've played this or not. Uh, but anyway, it is um, guitar legend Les Paul. And Mary Ford, yes, the same, you know, Les Paul not only played guitars, but he designed them as well. Uh, this is Les Paul and Mary Ford doing a song called Smoke Rings. Tell me where did they go, those smoke rings I blow each
kind of uh, sultry and relaxing and sounds like a perfect kind of song to end each day with sitting there puffing your cares and smoke rings away captain incoming message if you have a comment or question you can post it on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com or email me brian at pipesmagazine.com if you want to advertise on the Pipes Magazine radio show, send that to Kevin. Kevin at PipesMagazine.com. And we got a lot to catch up on. So uh, going back to uh, two weeks ago with Crash the Gray, uh, Ira, the writing Rav, says, I haven't been commenting lately, but I'm back. I've been busy going through all the past shows for the second time. Still enjoying them. Uh, great show tonight. I've checked out Nathan's website and expect I will buy something eventually. What a great evolution from collector to retailer. Uh, enjoyed the music, surprisingly. As for the rant, can't agree more on... Uh, can't agree more, and this is only one of the many problems with this administration. Finally, a reminder, as you promised, to do an update on the tales of the FDA someday soon. Cheers, Ira. Uh, yes, I will get an update while we are at the uh, at the trade show this week. I promise. And uh, you know, it is uh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, a lot of shows sitting out there just waiting for you. No membership or required. You can go back and listen to the past shows. Uh, did have one comment also about uh, it'd be nice to have a list of the past guests and the music. Um, if somebody out there wants to work on that for us, that would be great. It's a lot of work. Um, but, uh, yeah, if somebody wants to do that, that'd be great. I'd appreciate it. Uh, Dillagas says, thank you, Crash the Gray, for making the purchase of K. Woody's online a good experience. About 10 years ago, I wanted to add some K. Woody's to my collection. I bought two online from the manufacturer. They're both great smokers, but I found the buying experience very confusing. I wasn't sure what line I was buying or the stem material. Nathan's website is great and makes buying an informed and straightforward experience. Unfortunately, the pipe I had my eye on was already sold. I can see I'm not the first one there. I will keep looking. I have never really understood the stinger. Is it supposed to cool and dry the smoke? Does it work? Or is it just a marketing gimmick? Is that why, my, why modern pipe smokers prefer K. Woody's without them? Thanks for another great show. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, I'll second the idea of purchasing a book for a pipe smoker, particularly Sherlock Holmes and the Undead Client. And then he says, uh, Nathan Davis was a good interview. Upstate New York is some of the most beautiful, is some of the most beautiful part of the country. I, I uh, don't, uh, I don't know which direction from Albany he is, but Cooperstown is just 90 minutes from Albany. Uh, good luck in your search for a 1919 K. Woody. Yeah, uh, Cooperstown isn't too far away from him. Uh, and when, once you're in upstate New York, not too much as far away. It's just an hour or two drive to everything. Uh, Dino says, love Joseph Spence. I bought one of his Folkways LPs back in the day. Crash was a terrific guest. His interest in and promotion of K. Woody is to be commended. I enjoyed the history and lore he shared with us. And it's always nice to hear directly from a fellow forum member. 
Uh, Ghost is right. Get someone to buy you a book. The Peterson Pipe is a magnificent book. If no one buys it for you, get it for yourself. As for the rant, amen. Thanks, Dino. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of comments from Crash uh, regarding that. Got a couple of comments regarding my rant. I promise I will not get political again. However, this one rating or review that we got on uh, on eBay, on, uh, on iTunes in particular, you know, so I always ask, you know, go on to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We much appreciate that. Well, we've got, uh, we got one uh, June 15th from... Pennsylvania Daytona man, I'm guessing PA Daytona man. It's five stars. And he says, lost me. You got political. We get enough politics everywhere. Unsubscribed, <laughs> but yet he gave me five stars. So there you go. And also on iTunes, Shane Teeks, who is uh, Dave Shane, the pipes writes, uh, the pipes magazine radio show is a great distraction to a busy day. I often listen to it while working the interviews are always interesting, and the intro speaks true to the heart of the show. It's always entertaining. Can't wait for the next one. Really appreciate those ratings and reviews. Uh, somebody gave us a three-star, but no comment. Wonder who that was. Wonder what the comment was. And then last week with Claudio, uh, real quick, Shane, Shane Teeks again says, Claudio is a good friend of mine. Enjoyed the broadcast as always. Remember, if you have comments or questions, you can email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page there. You can uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. The Instagram is brianll23. I think that's my eBay name, too. Anyway, I uh, appreciate all that. All right, rant time is coming up next. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. I've got a shout out. I've got a uh, pleasant comment to make about my trip to Disney World. Now, again, the trip to Walt Disney World this past week was because, well, it was Father's Day. So I got to hang out with my son for Father's Day. And then uh, shortly after that, my sister and her kids came in and we got to see them and hang out with them. So that was nice. Uh, but again, you know, they've they've banned smoking from inside the parks. So while you're in the parks, you can't smoke. I did see people doing it and I could smell it. Did see people doing it. Uh, but again, it's not that big of a deal for me as a uh, recovering cigarette smoker. Uh, I did miss my moments of being able to go sit in a smoking area for 20 or 30 minutes with my pipe and puff. But instead, we did other things, and it cut down on my expenses in the park because, you know, coffee and a pipe or a drink and a pipe go really good together. So, cut down on the expenses. I will say we stayed at the Walt Disney World Swan, and the Swan is separately owned and operated. It's part of the uh, Weston Marriott Group, 
And not only did they have a lot of smoking areas, but they had smoking areas that were covered. They had smoking areas. The one that I spent most of my time in was right down the elevator from our room and right out the door. There was two chairs and an ashtray undercover. Or there was a whole little courtyard there with round tables and couches and stuff like that that were outdoor furniture things that you could sit on. And they were perfectly happy with you smoking anywhere out there. They had two of those courtyards on the on the property, plus they had multiple other areas where you could sit down and smoke. So in the morning, get my coffee, grab my pipe, go downstairs and sit there for 45 minutes, drinking my big cup of coffee and smoking my pipe. Ended each night the same way in, uh, you know, just sitting out there with a, with a bottle of water or whatever it was and just relaxing and enjoying the area. Uh, the weather did kind of suck. We got a lot of rain while we were there. But anyway, uh, shout out to the Walt Disney World Swan for having really comfortable and plentiful smoking areas. If you're going to Walt Disney World, let me know. I'll book you into the Walt Disney World Swan. However, if you're going with kids, may not be the most... Uh, May, may not be the most Disney environment that you'd want to put your kids into, so that's a whole different thing. Anyway, if you are traveling anywhere, reach out to me either on Facebook or brian.levine at mei-travel.com. I'll help you out however I can. I would like to thank Dirk for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Come in, radio. Don't call me radio, Unit 91. Then don't call me Unit 91, radio.